0: My name is Chase from Virginia, and I never listen to I, Dallas, Golemore. I don't listen to I, You Better Believe it, with Brittany Page. I do listen to You Better Murder It with Marcus. Hello, Marcus
1: Thank you, one and all, for joining us. Episode five hundred two of I Dada with Dallimore. I am your host, Jesse Dallamore, and I'm joined today, as always, by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, other co-host of the program, Brittany Page.
3: Are you going to be able to make it through? Are you going to power through?
1: <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm thinking. Everything's kind of a good news, bad news. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I'm thinking that the good news is mm-hmm. we got to see Brett and Lisa
3: mm-hmm.
1: had a wonderful weekend Yep. last weekend. Mm-hmm. The bad news is it kind of derailed me getting to 100% relative to having been sick.
3: Because of all the fun times. Yeah,
1: a lot of fun times. Mm-hmm. Kind of put the healing on the side.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Get a little older, not as easy to do anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And did some drinking.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Did a little bit of boozing. Maybe because, you know, you don't see friends in a long time. There's some revelry involved. Mm. Maybe some irresponsible revelry. <laughs> mm. Not irresponsible. You know, I just, you know, you drink a little past when it's sensible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and now I'm back to kind of like, fuck, lingering, shitty cough, Um, this, this, like every time I cough, it's like a wet mucus thing in the back of my throat. It's a good time. All I right. could go on into detail. No,
3: we don't want to hear that.
1: Anyway, it was a good time.
3: Yeah, lots of food.
1: Oh yeah, some good food.
3: Very good food.
1: It's one of the it's one of the benefits, by the way, mm-hmm. of living in a more metropolitan type area.
3: For sure. Yeah. Is
1: mm-hmm. the good good food.
3: Yeah, whenever people come to visit, we always take them to the the hot spots.
1: Yeah, there's some good hot spots.
3: Yeah, like Macaroni Grill, <laughs> Red Robin, uh,
1: the Garden, the the, the Olive, Olive Garden. garden you yeah. know, you've
3: heard of some of these probably where wherever to, you are. To
1: America's neighborhood, yeah. isn't that Applebee's?
3: Uh, I don't. Everything's
1: know. good in the neighborhood.
3: Uh, that's a slogan. America's
1: neighborhood joint
3: yeah but we can't we can't do this because people will say that we're being elitist we can't I'm
1: okay with that we
3: can't talk smack about the restaurants
1: I've said it before on this program Brittany that I am I am happy to be a snob in certain areas Mm
3: -hmm. and one
1: of those areas is the fact that I'm proud that I have no fucking idea where the nearest Applebee's is Mm. I don't have a clue yeah and I'm not just being a dick. I really have no idea where the nearest Applebee's is
3: mm-hmm.
1: from where we are right now.
3: You couldn't even make a guess.
1: I couldn't. I know where an Outback is.
3: Ooh.
1: I know where an Outback is, but I have no idea where an Applebee's is. Yeah. Or even like a fucking T- TGI Friday. Is that even mm. a restaurant anymore?
3: I think so. TGI Friday? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think I've seen one on the side of the freeway. Yes, I,
1: listen, I'm okay being a dick about some things. All right. And good food is one thing. Those are not they're not good restaurants. We're not looking for their sponsorship.
3: Well, the other thing is though that some people and I have a close friend who lives in an area where there are no Yeah. mom and pop type restaurants. I grew up
1: in an area like that.
3: And the only choices that you have sometimes where you live are those chain restaurants, you know. Uh,
1: listen, you know, the uh, most of the audience probably knows. I grew up in a town without a stoplight. There was a subway Restaurant. Mm-hmm. I don't mean a subway transportation system. We had <laughs> one sorry, still coughing it up. Uh one subway restaurant after this is after I was gone that was in a trailer out on the highway. A double wide trailer turned into a subway. Yeah, so I'm I get it. Mm-hmm. But I'm proud to have evolved, I guess.
3: Yeah. I guess you could say that. <laughs> hmm
1: Anyway. Let's get to. Uh, I'm gonna have to. There's gonna be lots of pausing to drink water to get this cough extinguished. But uh, let's move on with the show. We love you guys, and uh, we we appreciate you being patient with me and my maladies. Maybe I'm just a malingerer. Anyway, uh, last episode we talked about well, this last few episodes. I think we've been talking about the the Democratic candidates that are that are now in the race or getting ready to be into the race, and we've talked about Joe Biden and his. Latest issues with his handsiness, um, and whether it's going to be a a, a problem for him, and you know what, what the what the outlook is relative to the audience, and by virtue of the audience, the Democratic base, and we've got some some feedback.
4: Oh, uh, persons, Pennsylvania John here. You know, it occurs to me all this uh, fever over uh, fervor fervor over. Uh, Uncle Uncle Joe there with his uh, manhandling of the ladies and the men. I mean, just because you don't mind if he grabs your pussy doesn't mean he should be president, is all I'm saying. We are supposed to have moved on from that. We don't need a democratic version of President Trump. I mean, this is the problem. And he's definitely in the vein of Slick Willie when it comes right down to it. He's charming. He's adorable. We love Uncle Joe. I love Uncle Joe. He's a great vice. But I don't want him as president. That's the thing. We need to move on as Democrats. You know, on on the Facebookery there, I I, I have a lot of, you know, the, the Occupy Democrats and all that nonsense. And all these Democrats are screaming about, ah, oh, the Republicans and the blah bitty blah and the this and that. And, and, and the Justice Democrats and the this and that. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, go F yourselves, guys. Really, really, it's not about that. We just need to move on from this because Willie is responsible for most of the whataboutism nonsense that we have to deal with these days. We need to take a step into the future. The only way we're going to do that, y'all, is to embrace the young people, the Justice Democrats, the people who want to do Medicare for all, the people who want to turn our economy over to a greener, brighter future. And that's just what is. We can't keep molly coddling the damn fossil fuel industry. And that's all I got to say about it. Toodles.
1: So it wasn't. It wasn't all that uh, John from Pennsylvania had to say about it. He called back and I, I'm not I was going to play a little bit of it and then cut it off and say, well, that's kind of the gist of it. But I'll just give you the gist of it. its a, uh, He says that uh, one more thing is, is that Joe Biden has a lot of baggage. And then he went on with, you know, three strikes, different crime bills and, and, and things like that. And listen, th- that's all true. But there's a couple things I want to address about John's points. One, I agree. I I think I've made it abundantly clear. I don't think Joe Biden is the right choice. I I wish that he wasn't running because he is going to be one of the three oldest. He's in his seventies. It's too late now. Let's you know? also say
3: you wish that he wouldn't run because he still hasn't officially announced.
1: Yeah, well, if he's not going to run, then he's just jerking everybody around. Mm-hmm. And then, goddamn, I, I don't think that is the case. I think he is going to announce, but. There's a couple things that that I I think are not fair. Having said everything I've said about Joe Biden, I don't think he's right for this moment in history. I think he's missed every moment in history to run for president or to be president cuz he wasn't chosen. He was chosen to be the vice president on the ticket by Obama, but that's it. But when you when you when you use words, John, like in the vein, we don't need another president in the vein of Donald J Trump. Also talking about grabbing pussies. That's just not where we are with Joe Biden. It's just not. He Is he handsy because he's a touchy, affectionate guy? Yes. Does it make people uncomfortable? Yes. Am I probably guilty of the same exact thing? More than likely. And not for being creepy at all, but for I'm a touchy, huggy guy. And sometimes I feel like in the past, that it was, yeah, that's, I'm just being, you know, affectionate, and that's how I show somebody that I'm liking them, or, and I don't even mean like in a sexual way, but it's not okay if it does make somebody uncomfortable, and usually I think I'm good enough to pick up on um, when someone is uncomfortable, I, I do think I'm astute enough, and I also think Joe Biden should be astute enough of that, but he's not a creeper, I don't believe, you know what I mean?
3: Um, I just, I thought it was funny how it turned into somehow defending like you, (laughs) like you started defending yourself for some odd Mm. reason. Um, after
1: making an indictment of myself personally.
3: Yeah. I, I listen, I don't know if Joe Biden's creepy and I, I honestly don't know. I, I think that, I think that men can try to get away with stuff by acting like they're just friendly guys. Hmm. Like what you just said, I believe what you're saying, but I think a lot of men would try to say that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I you think know so what I'm too. saying? For sure. For sure.
3: Hey, I'm just a friendly guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oops, grabbed your tit.
1: Well, <laughs> no one's talking about him grabbing tits, though.
3: No, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about oh, this okay. kind of guy yeah. who's like, oh, I'm just friendly. I don't know. I yeah. just, I'm a hugger. I'm a toucher. Well, all Ugh. of this has
1: led to conversations between us about... Like at a, at a at a at a convenience store at a restaurant, if I'm picking up the check and and I brush hands with a waitress, I'm ugh, now I'm very aware of it and almost apologetic. Like I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to touch you mm-hmm. because you've you've relayed to me stories that it is a it is a creeper move, mm-hmm. like incidental contact, mm-hmm. and I never want to be that guy.
3: Yeah. No, I understand that, So, but what I'm saying is I don't know if Joe Biden's creepy, and I don't think any of us really know unless we've interacted with him or or been on the other end of him touching you in this way.
1: He'd never touched me like that.
3: Yeah, so it's it's hard to say, and even when you are in that situation, it's hard to say, right?
1: I've just seen a lot of photos, uh, and I don't know when this flipped where I'm starting to defend Joe Biden because I'm not, but I've seen a lot of photos where he's as touchy and as close and as up in your intimate space with dudes Mm -hmm. as he
3: is with the ladies yeah good so i (laughs) i i also don't think that it is like donald trump like you said i mean and i know that certain conservatives are trying to go there and i have watched those conversations try be played out on cnn with like chris cuomo moderating a debate between a liberal and a conservative and when the conservative tries to go there and say, well, look at this guy. He's, you know, assault, right. assaulting women. We can't have this. And Chris Cuomo just says, yeah, you don't have ground to stand on, Trump yeah, supporter. For sure. You do not have ground to stand on yeah. with this conversation. Also, it's completely different. But also, don't try it.
1: Yeah. And we're gonna, we have another voicemail. And I have one more point about John's uh, points that I want to make before we get to take three. Joe Biden, take two or take three. His apology, actually, I'm going to scratch that. It's not an apology. His statement that they released, I mean, seriously, it's like he got another 70 something year old man to hold the cell phone. And it's just, it's ridiculous. He wants to run for president, and it takes this long to put out another statement. Anyway, the other thing I want to talk about before we get to that is the, the statement made by John from Pennsylvania. That Slick Willie is responsible for where we are right now, not having the moral high ground to stand against Trump. And no, he's not. He certainly contributed to it. But the reason we, as Democrats right now, don't have the moral high ground to stand righteously upon is because we fucking maligned Monica Lewinsky. We lionized and I don't say we, I'm using the term now because I consider myself a Democrat, but I was not a, I was not a Bill Clinton fan then. The Democratic Party then lionized Bill Clinton. Feminists, the National Organization for Women, all of these people said, no, 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 he is a champion for women. He is a feminist. When Bill Clinton is a fucking predator... He is a sexual assaulting maniac. That's why Democrats don't necessarily have the moral high ground related to Bill Clinton. It's not Bill Clinton's fault. It's the collective. It's all of our faults.
3: So how how does this relate to the Joe Biden thing?
1: Well, I just wanted to address that one point John made. Okay, because he he made a, an offhand statement that it's like Willie's fault that we we we're, we're where where we are with Trump.
3: Got it. Okay, and
1: I don't believe that to be the case. Okay, so anyway, we got another. Thank you, John. We always love it when you call in, brother. Just you know, because you're wrong this time. It's not a
3: <laughs> yikes. But
1: I agree with him that Joe Biden's that's too much. We're done with that era. Let's you know, it's time for someone else. I'm sick of the legacy. I'm sick of the the dynastic. Uh, thing that's happening within American politics where we got all the Bushes and then the Clintons are getting their turn and Joe Biden and you now he's going to be a no we need somebody new some fresh faces some fresh brains with some fresh ideas speaking of fresh brains with fresh ideas next caller
5: Hi, this is Mo Hansen. I've been listening to your program for about a month or so. I want to comment on the Joe Biden situation. I do not believe that he is a misogynist or a creeper, but he comes from an older generation where being touchy feely wasn't condemned, and he doesn't seem to be able to relate to the new mores that say you cannot enter a person's personal space without asking them first. I know. I was a mammotac, and I was talking to a patient right after I had done her mammography, and she was obviously feeling really low because her husband had just died. And even though we had just been in a very intimate situation while I did this exam, I still asked her permission, I said, would you like a hug? And she did, and I gave her a hug, and hopefully that made her feel a little better for a few seconds. But it wasn't, I could not do that without checking first to be sure that that was okay, even though we were both female and we obviously had already been close. There are just certain times when you have to check with people first. Thank you.
3: Right. And that's all it takes. But I also want to say that. The, this is coming up a lot, right? He's from a different era. And again, I kind of I, I like that conversation, but I don't like where it ends up because so you go back, you watch Mad Men, right? The documentary Mad Men. And that's a joke. And um, <laughs> y- you see how men treat women, right? That was a different era. And I don't know. There's something weird about saying that he has those old customs, but he doesn't have those ideas. Yeah, well, do you understand what I, I'm trying? I, I don't I think do. I'm being as no, artful no, no. as I... I.
1: I agree with it. I think it's problematic for this other reason, and that's seems to be lots of ladies coming forward from 20 years ago or whenever who were in that era, who were uncomfortable during that era, and the touch that they were getting from him. You know what I mean? That they they admit that it wasn't sexual, that it wasn't predatory, but it was still a little too close, a little too right up in their mug. You know?
3: Yeah. So you're saying that... that
1: I don't buy the excuse that it's of the era.
3: But you're saying women have always been uncomfortable with it. It doesn't matter how the men have yeah, felt about it. I think it. so. Right.
1: Yeah, well, they just... It was one of those things What that, you know, 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago, when the patriarchy really ruled, unapologetically ruled, and the ladies just had to fucking put up with it because that's the way it was. Didn't have a voice. Uh, just because that's what it was then, doesn't mean it was okay, and that it's okay now because oh, he grew up when men didn't have to apologize for acting inappropriately. Mm-hmm. You know,
3: yeah, yeah. But I, and I I agree that I saw someone tweet uh, that everyone is spending too much time talking about Joe Biden, and that like for for instance, Jeffrey Epstein didn't get enough coverage. That Jeffrey Epstein should get more coverage. And and the cover up that happened in his case yeah. and all the shady goings on that that should be receiving just as much attention as this Joe Biden thing. And it's like, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't it be nice to live in a perfect world. well Also,
1: <laughs> we've done our part on that thing. We we've produced a video about it. Yeah. And I talked about it even before Trump was elected about his relationship to Epstein, which, by the way, Bill Clinton's pretty close to Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Again.
3: So everything's important. Everything should be talked about. But yes, we can still acknowledge that Joe Biden is simply being a little too cozy with people, making them uncomfortable, but that no one is alleging that he is a sexual predator or has assaulted them.
1: So let's let's put a pin in this because again, the guy's not really actually even running yet officially, but before we put a pin in, I want to play this last thing that he slapped up on Twitter. And I think there, there are some earnest points to be well taken from what he says, but it should also be acknowledged that at no point during this thing, does he apologize saying, you know, he doesn't say if I did make somebody uncomfortable, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. He just, Kind of gives, in other words, that I'm from a different time excuse.
6: Folks, in the coming month, I expect to be talking to you about a whole lot of issues, and I'll always be direct with you. But today, I want to talk about gestures of support and encouragement that I've made to women and some men that have made them uncomfortable. And I always tried to be, uh, in my career, I've always tried to make a human connection. That's my responsibility, I think. I shake hands, I hug people, I, I grab men and women by the shoulders and say, You can do this. And, and uh, whether they're women, men, young, old, it's, it's the way I've always been. It's the way I've tried to show I care about them and I'm listening. And over the years, knowing what I've been through, the things that I've faced, I've found that scores, if not hundreds of people, have come up to me and reached out for solace and comfort, something, something, anything that may help them get through the tragedy they're going through. And and, uh, and, and so I, it's just just who, who I am. And I've never thought of politics as cold and antiseptic. I, I've always thought about connecting with people. As like I said, shaking hands, uh, hands on the shoulder, a hug, uh, encouragement. And now, and now it, it's all about taking selfies together. Uh, you know, social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. My responsibility, and I'll meet it. But I always believe governing, quite frankly, life for that matter, is about connecting. About connecting with people. That will change. But I will be more mindful and respectful of people's personal space. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I've worked my whole life to empower women, I've worked my whole life to prevent abuse. I've written the and, and so the idea that I can't adjust to the fact that personal space is important, more important than it's ever been, is, is, is just not thinkable. I will. I will.
3: So the whole thing about boundaries being redrawn or mm-hmm. whatever? No. Again, no. It, it's It's really just that women have become more comfortable when someone in a position of power Oversteps that boundary Yeah In saying Yeah that makes me uncomfortable Or don't touch me You know I I mean it's
1: That's (laughs) or not I agree 100%
3: It's like saying All of a sudden Women women don't like Having their asses Slapped in bars What the hell's going on Right yeah Oh
1: There's a new boundary That's been set
3: Yeah No it's always (laughs) been there Yeah It's just what has been Acceptable for women To say and do In response to those behaviors
1: I also don't like That he That he died And I don't listen I I like Joe Biden. I've said it. I'm, you know, continued to say that. I think he's a good man. I think he's just, he's a little off on this, that, you know, I, I've never thought of politics as being antiseptic. You don't have to create this fucking logical fallacy argument where it's a false choice, where it's either warm and I'm up in your fucking grill or it's antiseptic and cold. It's That's not what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you know?
3: Yeah, no, for sure. That also stuck out to me because... People have different ways of connecting with other people, yeah. and typically, when you are connecting with someone that you don't know well, it doesn't involve a lot of petting and touching. Yeah, I, I you, mean, you,
1: you can offer what he uh, categorizes as support and encouragement without the other person knowing what the fuck you had for lunch. Yeah, y- you know what I mean. Oh, you had some capers, huh? I can, I get that off your breath because you're so fucking close. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way.
3: For sure. Anyway,
1: we, we'd love, I don't know if we want to keep dragging this on, but we'd love to know what you think about this second or third take here from Joe Biden. Um, again, I think the strategy choices here lead me to believe he's not really going to be on top of it, really not ready for prime time for the presidency to run a campaign that's going to be, uh, you know, action-packed, because he it took him way too long to respond to this. And then when he did, it was a lackluster effort, both production-wise and and otherwise. All right. Moving on. Uh, last time on the show, we talked about homework. Brittany brought up some statistics that uh, homework is being increasingly given to students. They're spending more time doing homework even as early as kindergarten. And we got a call from a kindergarten parent talking about what that looks like for him. And here it is.
0: Hello, Jesse and Brittany. This is Charles calling from Huntsville, Alabama. And I just want to kind of give you some insight as the parent of a kindergartner as far as homework goes. A few weeks ago, my daughter's teacher sent home a little note saying she's going to start sending homework home because they're going to, I guess, start actually doing homework in first grade. Now, a kindergartner, all she's really doing now, she's getting these little books and she's learning how to read. Um, You have little sheets where where we're timing her as far as how many words she can say in a minute, and, uh, making sure she knows all the letters and she can pronounce all the sounds and all that stuff. So it's nothing too rigorous, but it is something that the teachers encourage parents to do. It's not like actual homework that they're being graded upon or anything like that. So At least for me, it's nothing too strenuous, just a few, few activities that take a few minutes out of your evening, but nothing major, nothing she's going to, Really be penalized for if she doesn't get a certain score or anything. So that's about it. Love the show, Brittany is the best part.
4: Love the show, Brittany's the best part. Bye.
3: So that sounds like a good idea. Something that's more of a guide or a recommendation.
1: Yeah, but even Charles said that it's setting them up for. Well, we're got, we're going to be starting doing homework in first grade. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like remember when I said last episode that. Yeah, I I see it like in high school because they're getting you ready for the rigors of college. But if they're getting you, having you have homework in in kindergarten to get you ready for the rigors of the homework in first grade, is that too early? Anyway, I don't want to belabor this because it's, you know.
3: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it depends too on like maybe pre-school education. Yeah. And how much work parents are doing behind the scenes to ensure their kids uh, know words, know how to read. Absolutely. Um, Start doing the fundamentals of spelling and writing and all of those things. Uh, I think it takes some practice, and that's obviously yeah. what homework is. is it just helps me drill wonder, down the
1: skills. It just makes me wonder what the school day looks like if after the, the six hours or whatever that you're there, you also have hours at home.
0: Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Well,
3: remember, it's not hours. On average, for a kindergartner, it's 25 minutes. 25 minutes, right. Right. And I think they recommend like a 10-minute rule. Uh, Like in first grade, it's 10 minutes. In second grade, it's 20 minutes. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we got an email about homework as well. Oh, Hi, Jesse and Brittany. You can put me down for a big please no homework, at least not in grade school. I know my family situation isn't unique, and here's where we're at. We get home from work at at 6 p.m., and our son's bedtime is 8. That gives us two hours for playing outside or any recreational activities, dinner, bedtime routine, and homework? The last thing an eight-year-old wants to do when he gets home from school is sit down and do math worksheets. The thing I want to do immediately after a long day at work is sit down and fight with an eight-year-old over math worksheets he doesn't want to do while cooking dinner. Not all daycare or after-school programs are designed to help with homework, especially if your kid has any special needs. Not all of us can afford to find a program that would be helpful. It's not that parents are lazy or don't want their kids to succeed. It's simply not practical. You can't tell a small child that, sorry, honey, you're just going to have to remember that you can't play in the gym with everyone else if you have homework and expect it to happen. Once you're in middle or high school or at a point where a kid is old enough to be self-motivated to get the work done, then yes, go ahead and assign homework. I have feelings here too, but I'm trying not to write a book. I'd be perfectly content to leave homework in the dust until at least sixth grade, and I'm relatively certain there are many other parents who feel the same way. Amber.
1: Yeah, that's another aspect is even uh, parent schedules. Mm -hmm. Because some parents, you know, both parents work, and some parents, let's say you work retail. And you're not off till like eight or nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. It's a whole another dynamic.
3: Yeah, for sure. Well, and I, I.
1: A lot of privilege comes into play there.
3: Yeah, I can't remember what my homework situation was like in grade school, but I 100% guarantee that my parents were not helping me with it. Right. So.
1: And nor would you have wanted them to.
3: Yes, that's probably true. <laughs> um, so we got another email here, and this person didn't. Thank you, re- Amber. Yes, thank you, Amber. This person that wrote this email didn't say that they wanted it to be anonymous. However, it is quite personal. So because they didn't explicitly say, uh, read this on the show, yeah, yeah. we're going to keep it anonymous. Um, so sorry if this person wanted us to name them, but we're just not going to take the risk of... We could always
1: do it ex post facto.
3: Sure. Hey guys, I'll try to make this long story short. My life has been pretty crazy and sometimes I find myself in a dark place. A dear friend of mine died suddenly and things have been a whirlwind since. This month is a big anniversary month for that friend and it has been especially difficult. Last night was a late night working and drinking too much. In my late night cleaning of the house when I got home, all the beer had not shut off my brain. The only thing I could think to do was listen to you two. I came across your podcast years ago, just randomly searching, and have been a loyal listener since. Your show is very different from the short list of podcasts I subscribe to, as it pretty much just consists of Last Podcast on the Left and a few other shows from their network. I'm from Canada, and although I do somewhat keep up with politics and try to read or watch the news, it's not a topic I spend much time on. Listening to the way you present the absolute craziness that is our political landscape has always kept me entertained and engaged. So thank you. Thank you for filling so many hours of my life with your banter, your passion, the emotion you're not afraid to express. Jesse, I'm talking to you. Your humor, stories of your own personal lives, and all the adult language that makes me want to listen for hours on end. Mostly, thank you for being there last night in a dark hour where I just needed friends to make me forget my sorrow. You were there. Wow. So this was a really, really, really nice email to read. And I will just speak for myself that sometimes doing the show is extremely exhausting. I work all day in an acute psychiatric hospital. Yeah. (laughs) And then I come home and sometimes I do not have the motivation to sit down and flip on the mics and have energy and yeah, like yeah. be all revved up to talk about Donald Trump. Okay. Um, and while I was at work, I got this email and I read it and it made me feel one, one, very sad for this person that they're experiencing this uh, tragedy in their life and that it is such a difficult time for them. And two, so honored um and grateful for the message that they cho- chose to send to us yeah um this is the kind of stuff that really makes the hard work of what we do worth it. So, Thank you to the person who wrote this. Yeah. And we are definitely thinking of you. And it's it's a tough road that you're on, but you know, we're we're there, we're there with you.
1: Uh, I'm I'm glad you, you said that first. Um, y- you need to take care of yourself. Whether it be find somebody, being in Canada, I'm sure there are far greater um, width and breadth of resources relative to um, grief counseling or, or finding someone as far as the other stuff. This, uh, I love when we get messages like this because we've worked very hard, not only creating a show, like we do, but as also building a community, you know, saying, moving the conversation forward and, and asking for, for, for viewpoints and giving our listeners a platform to talk and think in public, it means a lot to Brittany and I. During the Thanksgiving episode, I said some of this stuff that, you know, Brittany sometimes does get bummed out about doing the show because she's, you know, burning a candle at both ends. And while some of this stuff comes really easy to me and doesn't so much seem like work. We have to find moments where we're both we're both on. If you know what I mean. It's like turning the submarine keys where you both have to be on top of the game. And if one's not on, the the thing's not going to work. And luckily, luckily we've gone 600 or so episodes and it's been, it's been great. But this also gives me a chance to thank Brittany for, (laughs) for sticking around as long as you have and really putting in the work, Um, but also to the audience for taking part in this experiment that we've that we've started, you know, five years ago, uh, it 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 means more than you know to get messages like this. And we love you guys. And uh, again, I don't know. It's uh, what kind of special person that when you're going through something as as tragic as the loss of someone you love, and you're having a hard time, and somewhere you find it in yourself to write us fucking amazing Mm -hmm. so anyway i'm gonna we're gonna go to the mid-roll and i'm gonna blow my nose support for i doubt it with dollamore comes from generous engaged intelligent and good-looking listeners like you by way of patreon your support on patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time if you would like to join the ever growing family of supporters, please visit Patreon.com/slash I doubt it with Dollamore.
3: Cody. Cody. Cody is our latest Patreon supporter. So we do have some news about Patreon. And we want to preface this by saying that it was several things that happened. Okay, so we just we don't want any one or two people to feel like, oh, I had something to do with this.
1: Again, it's, it's kind of one of those, it's good news and it's bad news.
3: Right. So we dipped back below what is necessary to do hashtag third episode. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. And so that is not happening well, anymore. So,
1: <laughs> that's right. Until we get back up there, I mean, I'm just going to give the numbers. So... Patreon has a deal where you can hide what the goal amount is. And our goal amount is $2,500 to do three episodes a month. We dip down to like $2,200.
3: Three episodes a week.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> three episodes a, a week. Thank you, Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. And so we drop down to like $2,200 or something. So that's, that's enough off the mark that, that it's just not, it's not that it's not worth it. It's just, it's a lot of effort.
3: It's a lot more work. And I mean, it's a lo- it's a lot more work.
1: Yeah, yeah. So whether it be pre production, post production, actually doing the show, right? It's hours and hours per episode.
3: Right. And this isn't to make the audience feel guilty at, at all, all, right? Not at all. Um, because Jesse was also sick last week, and you know, it it was it was off to a rocky start. The hashtag yeah. third episode month. Anyway, well, not
1: only that is is that at the end of every month. Some cards get declined and then mm-hmm. patreon kind of recalibrates and gives you a new total. That's always something we're working against this month was just a little bit more aggra- aggressive than it has been in the past
3: right. So we just wanted to say that so that people weren't wondering what the hell was going on.
1: Yeah so the bad news is mm-hmm. well we're the 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 hashtag third episode is back in it's a goal now we're working to that again
3: mm-hmm.
1: and the, the 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 good news. Is that we're still here mm-hmm. and we're plugging away and we are looking forward to campaign season. Mm-hmm. Uh that doesn't mean we're not gonna be doing coverage of of um the debates. The debates and shit. We'll just those will be like bonus episodes. Right. We're still gonna do that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And again, God, we fucking we love you guys. We appreciate everything you do mm-hmm. um for us and for the show. You are are a part of this. And we just we wanted to say that. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism So there's there's several things and I don't know that we're going to get to all of them this episode, but uh, just to give kind of a rundown of what I want to talk about today and some of it we might not get to, is this new news coming out of the Mueller team that people who are familiar with and who people who are associates of people who worked on the special counsel within the special counsel's office are saying that they're not happy about uh attorney general bill barr's findings that he's writing this in such a way that do not illustrate the 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 troubling findings that they had relative to donald trump and and um and obstruction, obstruction of justice that there are more damaging items in there than he's letting on. And he's creating maybe a narrative to get everybody like to set in their ways. That's one thing I want to talk about. Actually, I'm not going to explain everything as intently as I did there.
3: Well, let's review that just really quick. Yeah. Because uh, William Barr, right, he did a four-page summary of the MOLA report, which is hundreds of pages long.
1: Yeah, it took almost 700 days. It's... 400 pages and he took 8 hours and 4 pages to and by the way he's he's clarified oh it's not a summary i didn't summarize
3: and so moeller came to a conclusion on collusion and said that there was no evidence to support that that conclusion yeah but he did not come to a conclusion on obstruction and he laid out the evidence on on both sides right and then William Barr came to a conclusion, largely because um, he, he already held that opinion, largely because he doesn't believe that you can commit the crime of obstruction if there's no crime that you're trying to cover up. Right. So a lot of people say collusion's not a crime, that that wouldn't be a yeah. crime. And so if you're going to be charged with obstruction, but you're obstructing the crime that's not a crime then that can't be what you're doing. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: and it's also an element of the president can't commit obstruction of justice just by virtue of the fact that if he wants to fire James Comey, even if it is to obstruct justice, he has the constitutional authority for any reason to fire James Comey. Therefore, it's not obstruction, which is fucking nonsense. Complete nonsense. Anyway, that's the one topic we got. We got a package on that. Uh, this whole security breach in Mar-a-Lago is a big deal that I want to talk about. Um, the the battle over Trump's taxes that the Ways and Means Committee has officially requested them, uh, and it's not like a "hoi, hey, please would you give them to me." It's it's a demand because by law they're obligated to give them. And then. Uh, The thing I don't think we're going to get to is the Alex Jones. We pushed it last episode. We might have to push it again. There are clips from his deposition where he is blaming psychosis for his conspiracy um, nutter buttery related to Sandy Hook and him posting the address and, you know, in his own way, encouraging his crazed conspiracy theory followers to harass the families who had just lost their children in the massacre at Sandy Hook. But let's start with the Robert Mueller stuff um, and Bill Barr.
7: major story breaking just this moment. The New York Times is reporting that some of the Robert Mueller's investigators have told associates that Attorney General William Barr failed to adequately portray the findings of their inquiry and that they were more troubling the Mueller report for President Trump than Mr. Barr indicated. That's according to government officials and others familiar with the matter who say that those investigations are, quote, concerned that because Mr. Barr created the first narrative of the special counsel's findings, American Jews will have hardened before the investigation's conclusions become public. As the Times puts it, it's the first evidence of tension between Mr. Barr and the special counsel's office. So right now is one of the reporters on that story, Adam Goldman. Adam, that's the, to me, I guess that what's the lead here? Is it the lead that there's dirt here that Barr did not release?
2: Uh, I, I think the lead here is <laughs> there's a nearly 400 page report with uh, possibly troubling information about about the president and his activities. Uh, maybe in Barr's view it didn't rise to a level of a crime, but uh, uh, for the special counsel, it, it certainly, at least in the case of obstruction, it didn't exonerate, and it didn't exonerate the president.
7: And the failure by Mr. Barr, it sounds like Mr. Barr's concern in the report that Moore didn't make a decision on the issue of obstruction. He thought he should have yeah, done that. Yeah, that, that, that,
2: sorry, repeat the question again.
7: According to the report in the New York Times, which is moving right now and will be in the paper tomorrow, according to your report in the Times, which you were part of writing, uh, Mr. Barr is, was upset when he got the report from mower and it did not conclude one way or the other whether the president obstructed justice.
2: Yeah, I, 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 it's our understanding that uh, that the Main Justice Department Barr felt that, that, that Mueller punted on the issue, that Mueller should have made a decision, and you know, that's what he was tasked with doing, but yet he didn't, and he left it in the hands of the politicals, right? Broad uh, Rosenstein and, and, and Barr himself, or political appointees, sort of, you know, that the whole purpose of the special counsel is not to put it in the hands of the politicals, so there's no political interference.
7: And subsequent to that, Mr. Barr then had to make a decision. He said he wished that Mueller had made a call on obstruction of justice, as he did, to basically exonerate the president on his collusion. But since he didn't make a call, he also believed that Comey was wrong with regard to Hillary Clinton when he chastised her, even though he didn't indict. And in this case, since he wasn't willing to indict because Mueller hadn't made that call, he had to exonerate. That seems to be the train of thought here. Your thoughts.
2: Yeah, there, there are some thoughts on that. Uh, the, there's a, a, a canon narrative that, you know, Barr did uh, Barr did to Hillary Clinton what Comey did by by throwing in that line from the special counsel's office, you know, that he wasn't totally exonerated. You know, some could argue that wasn't fair, just like Comey said Hillary Clinton was uh, extremely terrorist.
3: So it just never ends. And, of course, everyone after the Mueller report we, we heard that the Mueller report was finished and then we knew that Barr was releasing the summary and then Barr released the summary and there, then
1: said it wasn't a
3: summary. There was a certain segment of the population that was very disappointed, rightfully so, because we don't feel like we have the full picture. That's right. And we don't. And these reports now are reassuring us that we don't. Yeah. We don't have all of the information. It's
1: disappointing for me, you know, in the wake of this. And I always, I really try to be level-headed about this kind of stuff and not let my passions get kind of ahead of me. And I saw Walter Schaub, who was Obama's ethics czar. And he tweeted something about, this is the greatest cover-up of a conspiracy, blah, 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 talking about Barr and the four-page memo. And I was guarded against that. I was like, I don't know about that. I think he might, that might be a bridge too far. I don't fucking think that anymore. I don't think that after these new reports of these investigators from the team who are super, quote unquote, disappointed, I think they're probably pissed because we haven't had one single peep of a leak from these people mm-hmm. until the report's out, It's or not out, but it's done, mm-hmm. and they're wrapping up their operation, and they're like, he fucked us. This mm-hmm. guy, f- I'm, I'm paraphrasing what I think happened everybody. <laughs> This guy fucked us. And you know what? We're done with no more leaks. So my thing is, where is Congress getting... They need to get Robert Mueller before one of these committees right away. Mm -hmm. Enough.
3: Yeah. Enough. Yeah.
1: There is an appetite for more information about this from the American people. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of Americans believe Donald Trump has done illegal at the very... Or at the very least... Unethical things while in office. Yeah. It's like between 62 and 79% of people. And that would include, (laughs) excuse me, that would include even his supporters believe that. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657 464 7609. Email those voice memos to iDoubtIt at dalamore.com. The next thing is this uh, Chinese woman, Chinese national, showed up at Mar-a-Lago. I didn't think this was all that big a deal <laughs> until mm-hmm. I found out that she talked her way past secret service. Mm-hmm. They drove her to the resort on a golf cart. hmm And then it was a, a, a receptionist. Yeah. And I'm not maligning that she's only a receptionist. Uh, she's not a security expert. Mm-hmm. She's not a national security expert. Mm-hmm. She's not a threats assessor. She's a receptionist.
3: And she was like, wait a minute. What she, are you doing here That's again?
1: exactly right. She got to the, she cracked the fucking case, not the secret service. What is going on over there?
8: Yi Jing Zhang, who is in her early thirties, remains in custody this morning, charged with making false statements to federal law enforcement and unlawfully entering a restricted zone. There was a secret service protective zone around Mar-a-Lago all weekend with layers of security, agents and signs warning that the area was restricted. But according to court documents, Yu Jing Zhang got in anyway. It was just afternoon on Saturday, the president golfing nearby, when authorities say she presented two Chinese passports to an agent as ID and said she was there to go to the pool. The agent passed her information to Mar-a-Lago security to verify she was on an access list. While the court documents make clear Zhang easily conversed in English, authorities say due to a potential language barrier issue, Mar-a-Lago believed her to be the relative of a member of the club who was also named Zhang. A valet then drove her to the main reception area in a golf cart. Prosecutors say Zhang made it through another Secret Service checkpoint, magnetometers and more agents before she was finally stopped by a receptionist who asked Zhang why she was there. According to the complaint, Zhang finally responded that she was there for a United Nations Chinese American Association event later in the evening. The receptionist knew this event did not exist. At that point, the Secret Service took over when they say she claimed her Chinese friend Charles told her to travel from Shanghai to attempt to speak with a member of the president's family about Chinese and American foreign economic relations. And investigators are still looking at that thumb drive, which they say contained, quote, malicious malware, along with four cell phones, a laptop, and an external hard drive. But what Zhang did not have Robin... They say, despite saying she wanted to go to the pool, a swimsuit. So is
3: this just what happens when you're at like a golf club or whatever? I, I don't know. I Everyone's mean, all relaxed. It, and It is
1: laughable and weird. Oh, you mean like Secret Service? Like, are they just fucking having my ties up by the pool and not they're fucking out of it? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Are you here for the party? <laughs> right. All right. Come on in.
1: Oh, you don't have a suit? That's kind of peculiar.
3: We don't work while we're here, so <laughs> it is weird. He came to the right place.
1: This is considered like a like another White House.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: it leads me to believe. Like, l- listen, G- George W. Bush had what they called the the Winter White House or something down on his his ranch in Crawford, but that is a that's an isolated location out in the middle of nowhere that they can secure. There are not tourists there or club members, randoms roaming around, people within earshot of the president sitting with the president of Japan while North Korea is firing fucking missiles. It's a different situation here. And Donald Trump doesn't seem to respect. Here's my thing if Donald Trump doesn't even give a fuck about his own safety and security, do you think he gives a fuck about your safety and security? There's a larger issue and more concerns over Trump's security that have been sparked because of this incident.
9: A scare at Mar-a-Lago has President Trump's security procedures in the spotlight again.
6: We do have profound concerns about the security protocols that are being followed or not followed by the president and his family.
9: Since taking office, story after story highlight what critics call a disregard that the president and his team seem to have for long-established protocols. Just this week, before we learned of the Mar-a-Lago incident, a White House whistleblower was alleging that Trump's team had overruled national security experts' denials of security clearances for 25 individuals for, quote, a wide range of serious disqualifying issues.
4: Security clearances are very important to me.
9: Among those with a controversial clearance, the president's daughter, Ivanka Trump, and her husband, top advisor Jared Kushner, whose numerous foreign business dealings have raised concerns. When asked about possible security risks Monday, Kushner chuckled.
8: Do you pose a grave national security concern to the country, Jared Kushner? Uh,
9: Look, I can say that in the White House, uh, I work with some phenomenal people. Kushner and President Trump have also both come under fire for using non-secure methods of communication.
4: You want to uh, put that on this phone, please?
9: Hello? Trump has denied (laughs) accusations. He uses his personal iPhone instead of the government-provided cell. Kushner reportedly prefers to use the encryption-enabled texting service WhatsApp to speak with foreign leaders, including Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Another security protocol the president has dismissed, having aides present for meetings with foreign leaders such as Vladimir Putin in Helsinki, they met for two hours, no notes, no advisors, just interpreters, leading critics to question what the leaders may have agreed to behind closed doors. When Trump met with Russian Foreign Minister Sergey Lavrov and Ambassador Sergei Kislyak in the Oval Office in 2017, It was Russia's state photographer, not the White House, who made images of the private meeting
2: public.
4: I had a great meeting with Putin. We discussed everything. I had a great meeting.
2: We remain in the dark about what the two leaders discussed. I believe this lack of transparency has implications for our national security.
9: It is quite a list of questions and allegations for a president who came to office campaigning against his opponent's breach of security
4: protocols. Hillary Clinton can't keep her email safe. And you know what, folks? She sure as hell can't keep our country safe.
9: Regarding this most recent incident, Mar-a-Lago has been criticized before as an open-air Oval Office. Trump was hosting Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe at the resort in 2017 when North Korea test-fired a missile. Trump and his top security team coordinated their response on the patio as Abe and shocked resort guests enjoyed a front-row seat. One guest posting photos to social media with the caption, holy moly, the center of the action.
3: So he can't even protect his little golf course. Yeah. And he's talking about the country and how Hillary Clinton wouldn't be able to protect the country. Right. Right. Come on.
1: Let me say this. Uh, Look, I'm no tech expert, but I have a little bit of knowledge about this kind of thing. There's no goddamn chance that his i well him denying that he doesn't use his iPhone is just bananas because we Twitter lets you know what device tweeted a tweet, Mm -hmm. and he tweets from his iPhone all the fucking time.
3: Maybe it's Melania's iPhone. And by the way, he's borrowing his wife's phone. (laughs) There's not a
1: chance that that iPhone's not compromised. Mm -hmm. There's not a fucking chance. They found. These stingrays, these these, these cell re- re- repeaters, these cell dupe, um, replicators all around Washington, D.C. that are likely planted, that act like a cell tower while they, they, they record all the communications, the, the numbers, all of that, all the data. They found these in Washington, D.C. last year. You you, you think Donald Trump's not a target because everyone knows he's using his iPhone?
3: Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Well, this is the problem when you have someone who believes that they already know everything. Right. That they already have all the information. Cyber.
1: He's big on cyber.
2: Right. The cyber.
3: No matter how (laughs) complicated the world is. Yeah. This is someone who already believes they understand everything. Imagine that right? All these complicated things that he actually knows nothing about. Yeah.
1: And he's an expert in.
3: He believes he knows everything about it. So he's not listening to the experts that surround him that could really help him. Yeah. Could really do him a
4: solid. Yeah. I'm speaking with myself, number one, because I have a very good brain and I've said a lot of things.
3: <laughs> it's terrible. He's an expert. Mm-hmm. The, expert. The, the oranges. The oranges. That to
1: me is very scary. I don't know. I don't have the clip here, Mm -hmm. but uh, Donald Trump was talking about the origins of something and uh, multiple times over the course of about a minute said the orangin, the oranges, Mm -hmm. the oranges. He wasn't reading. He was saying the word origins and kept saying oranges. If that's not cognitive decline, w- w- what is it? Anyway, I'm not going to put you, put that question to you, but well, it, it's, you're, for you're me, right. it's scary.
3: You're right. Donald Trump has been a one of the most intelligent people that we've ever encountered in public life. And now, now he's not. So I have a very good brain. That's not that what I I'm saying. You're really on to something. That's
1: not what I'm saying. I'm saying... If he is in the middle of a, a rapid cognitive decline, because he does speak differently than he used to. I know with your sarcastic fucking nodding of your head. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm concerned. I'll just say that. And we'll move on. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we're going to talk about. Wow, that's do you a wanna, hard fucking pivot. Do you want to
3: play the clip of me trying to pronounce um, anonymity?
1: No. You were reading, looking at the word and saying anonymity. He's talking about the origins of something and saying oranges.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you do you ever, when you're saying or, origins, has that ever, or you say mouse and you say slouch? I mean, what, <laughs> what, what other words is it okay to not be able to know what they are? I, it's just, for me, it's, anyway, we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot. All right. The battle over Donald Trump's taxes have begun. I did a video on this a few months ago, and I said it's going to happen. And I'm not going to toot my own horn, but it's happening. The House Ways and Means Committee has has uh, sent a request, which is in line with the law, to get six years of Donald Trump's tax returns and his businesses, too
2: now to the white house where president trump is facing the first official call to release his tax returns the top house democrat on taxes has formally petitioned the irs to release six years of trump's taxes citing a provision of the tax code that gives him that power but president trump is showing no signs of giving
4: in take a look i'm always under audit it seems but i've been under audit for many years because the the numbers are big and i guess when you have a name you you're audited But uh, until such time as I'm not under ordered, I would not be inclined to do that. Thank you.
2: So let's bring in our senior national correspondent, Terry Moran. And Terry, the president was resisting. We just see that right there. But the Democrats may have the law on their side. They might well, George. They've got a strong case. But this is shaping up to be a huge and important legal battle, really, for every American. So here's what's happening. Uh, Chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, Democrat Richard Neal of Massachusetts, sent that letter to the IRS demanding all those Trump tax returns. And he's citing this 1924
1: law that allows the heads of a few committees in Congress to get the tax returns of any
2: American. Uh, the, as long as there is, the Supreme Court says, a legislative purpose. They have to be involved in passing a law to get these returns. And they're supposed to keep them secret, but This is Congress, so we can't really expect that. Uh, President Trump is fighting back, as you
1: see. He once promised he would release his tax returns. Now he says the audits won't let him. But this is going to be a major legal fight, and it will probably end up in the Supreme Court. The privacy rights of Americans around those tax returns are very important. The IRS takes that very seriously. This will go to court. So this this is blowing up right now because Donald Trump has responded now. And he's not just taking this lying down. He's pretty much telling him, you can talk to my fucking lawyers. Even though this is law, this is from 1924, and it's a shall issue. It's shall comply. Not a, eh, if you want to. The, the, the executive branch doesn't get to say whether or not the legislative priority is legitimate. They just get to say, you want them? You said you want them? We have to give them. This will end up in the court, certainly. But I don't know. I mean, look, I'm no lawyer. I think that's pretty clear, right?
3: That's pretty clear. (laughs) We get that.
1: Um, But I don't... I I mean, I've read the statute when I did the video. We'll post the video again. Um, I I don't see any way around it. There's not a lot of wiggle room. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was Donald Trump today.
2: the the commissioner of the IRS not to disclose...
4: To the House, Ways exactly They'll true. speak to my lawyers, they'll speak to the Attorney General.
2: Will
4: you direct the IRS
2: the to do that? They'll speak to my lawyers, and they'll speak to the Attorney General. Mr. Thank
1: President. you. And when does Trump ever just leave it at that? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to talk about this.
3: Of course he doesn't. <laughs> this is his worst nightmare.
1: The other thing that happened is right after the, the Democrats took the House, I think he knew this was going to happen. And the reason I say that, the New York Times was reporting that the man that Donald Trump appointed, nominated to be the uh, general counsel for the Internal Revenue Service, he called Mitch McConnell during the t- time when Barr, Bill Barr, was being run through the ringer and said, I want the the IRS general counsel nominee to be fast-tracked. It's more important to me that he be nominated, that he be confirmed than it is that Bill Barr is confirmed. That's what the New York Times is saying. Maggie Hamberman was saying that today. That, to me, says this is where the bodies are buried. This is the skeletons in the closet that are the most important ones to Trump that he does not want to come out. And the House is going to, they're going to get him. Chairman Neal isn't fucking around, and he's, uh, he's a smooth operator. He understands the system.
3: Well, it took long enough.
1: He's not an Adam Schiff. Mm -hmm. He's not a guy who's in front of the fucking cameras. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It did take long enough. Fucking bullshit. (laughs) Anyway, and again, you know, it's, it's how can Republicans, I was thinking about this today when Chuck Grassley was on the floor of the Senate crooning in his fucking droopy dog voice, his old man Joe voice. About, although they can't be doing this, taking Donald Trump. All they're trying to do is retribution because they lost an election. Dude, how many excuses must you make for a clearly corrupt president with your upstanding Christian morals? Fucking nonsense.
6: Yeah,
3: the asshole of today. The Mormon Church.
1: Mormon Church.
3: The LDS Church.
1: I heard about this, they, if it's what I think it is.
3: They have changed their policy about the LGBTQ community. If you are the child of LGBTQ parents, yeah. then you can now be baptized in the church. In
1: 2015, the Mormon Church made a big deal about we're no longer going to baptize the the children of gay people. Nope, not going to do it. In fact, the reason we're not going to do it is because God called our prophet, the president of the church, on the bat phone, on the secret Jesus phone, and said it was so. Because the Mormon church is set up. They have what's called the president, but within the church, he's the prophet. He is like an apostolic Uh, still an apostle of Jesus like the 12 apostles on earth for this new Latter-day Saint church, the one true church of Jesus Christ. And he communicates directly with God. And in 2015, the reason they gave for refusing to, which is fine with me because it's all nonsense anyway, refusing to baptize children of gay people, it's because God said so.
3: Yeah, they said it was um the will. It was the will of the Lord. Yes. And the so let's just take a step back. So like you said, the policy was that LGBTQ couples were labeled apostates. Yes. And their children were not um, permitted to be a part of the church rituals. That included baptisms and baby blessings, things like that they have reversed both of those things. So LGBTQ couples are no longer being labeled apostates (laughs) and the children of those couples can now participate in the church rituals. And what they are citing here is like you said, the continuing revelation from God, Okay. Four
1: years later God's just a little wishy-washy On this one I guess
3: Yeah it took him 41 months To really weigh this one And Trust me It had nothing to do With all of the people Killing themselves Because of the shame Right And rejection um,
1: Bad it, press for the church Right
3: All of the tensions That erupted within families And all of the discord It, hadn't, it had nothing declining, To do with
1: that uh, Declining attendance
3: Right in- Increased support For LGBTQ right. policies Even among conservatives Nothing to do with these things No,
1: of course, Brittany The creator of the universe eh, Changed his mind
3: He's just like all of us Look, I know
1: I created all those gay people But I just, you know, this last four years It's been a revelation I just, I don't know why he has this voice But it's just, I changed my mind mm-hmm. Look, people can change their mind, Brittany I'm God, I can change my mind I'm changing my mind mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of here Let me tell you something Of all the denominations on the earth, the Christian denominations on the earth, you would think the Mormon church would know better that what are the follies of this kind of bullshit? They changed their mind on polygamy when all of a sudden they weren't going to be able to be, uh, Utah wasn't going to be able to be a state unless polygamy went away. All of a sudden, what a coincidence. The prophet had a revelation. Blacks not allowed to be in the church, not allowed to have the priesthood. In 1977, blacks were not allowed. Oh wait, God changed his mind in 1978. Everybody, just when the social norms were starting to come around.
3: I mean, it's it's kind of late. What actually. a
1: coincidence!
3: <laughs> that's like after the social norms started to come right, around. Right. Well, it. not in Utah. Well, apparently, God is like real slow on the uptake. So that's a. Uh, one. Also,
1: I mean, the first people that God created were black people. We're, we're African.
3: I want to say... <laughs> I want to say that, that even though we're talking about all this and it clearly shouldn't be applauded, another reason it should not be applauded is that when they made this announcement, okay, the... Uh, Dallin Oaks, first counselor To the church president Russell Nelson Okay, He made this announcement He's at
1: least an octogenarian All these guys are just fucking walking corpses
3: And he said "Quote: While we still consider such marriage to be a serious transgression It will not <sighs> be treated as apostasy For purposes of church discipline Instead The immoral conduct in heterosexual Or homosexual relationships Will be treated the same way Wow. You consider the marriage to be a serious transgression and then you proceed to say that it will be treated the same way. Yeah. I mean, is they're anyone, hateful, is, is anyone, hearing, this? Is anyone hearing this?
1: Motherfuckers, man. Is
3: anyone hearing this? Is anyone hearing this? So, it's very frustrating, but I hope that people can at least acknowledge how goofy and absurd it is to Be basing your opinions on what you call the will of God when we all know it is societal acceptance. That's right. And what's going to cause a problem for your pocket. All right. Yeah, of course. And how many churches you can build. Right. So it's really embarrassing that people go along with this and that there isn't more of a challenge to it. Um, But hopefully people aren't fooled by this and there will be people speaking out. People are waking up and standing strong. There has
1: never been a more worthy asshole of today. Than the Mormon church today. It's fucking disgusting. Hateful. Inhumane. Anyway, we're going to leave you there on those positive, upbeat words. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at If you love what we do, support us on Patreon. Go to teamdolamore.com. And also, while you're on the internet, go follow me and Brittany on the Twitter, at Dollamore and at Brittany E. Page. We do love you guys, and we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
3: Yeah, like Macaroni Grill, <laughs> Red Robin. Uh, the Garden. The, the, the olive, olive Garden.
1: garden yeah.